Hello, and welcome to Quest, a vineyard church where we experience life as friends with faith through encountering God, loving others, and making a difference in our community. If you're new, there will be information at the end of this podcast where you can plug into Quest in person or online. Now let's dive into this week's teaching. Um, it's my privilege to be able to welcome uh, Dr. Mary Lutz as she comes to speak. Um, if I can real quick tell a personal uh, story. She, she came in and spoke to me after her service with a word that God had given her, and it was a huge blessing to me. I'm incredibly excited for you to hear from her. Uh, this is a little bit about her. Although she never graduated from kindergarten, uh, Dr. Mary Lutz has received degrees from Chapman, Indiana, and The Ohio State Universities. Woo! Uh, in addition to her experience in parachurch ministry, Mary has worked in a local church as a business consultant and in a number of higher education institutions. Currently, Mary manages the Columbus campus of Ashland University. She lives in Westerville, has two cats. In her spare time, she enjoys reading, writing, jigsaw puzzles, good clean jokes, and sports. Please welcome Mary. <clears throat> Thanks, Zach. Good morning. It is good to be here with you this morning. We are in the second week of this series called Your Turn. And I love that graphic because it reminds me of playing softball. So with that, I want to share with you this morning that I am the designated hitter in this series. Last Sunday, I was asked to fill in for Todd Rose this week. Todd and Katya had a family situation. Katya's father died suddenly and unexpectedly after a stroke. And in addition to that, our usual suspects here, Pastor Ross and his wife Wendy and their children are on vacation, as you heard earlier. And Jeremy Shelley and Pastor Jeremy and his wife Alexis and their family are on vacation. So I win the prize. Or you do, I'm not sure yet. Anyway, with that, will you join me in prayer? Father in heaven, we are grateful for this beautiful day. We thank you for the opportunity to gather here, to hear from you and to hear from one another. Father, I pray by the power of your Holy Spirit that you would highlight for each of us what you would have us take from this message today. And Father, we pray a special blessing for Pastor Ross and Wendy and their family, Pastor Jeremy and Alexis and their family, as they rest. We pray that you would give them refreshing, fun times to deepen their relationships with one another. And Father, we pray for comfort and grace for Todd and Katya and Katya's extended family. And ask you to help them metabolize in healthy and life-giving ways this new loss. Thank you for being here with us and among us and in us. In Jesus' name, amen. Our text for the message this morning is found in Philippians 3, verses 10 through 14. It is. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings. Becoming like him in his death and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. 
Not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. If you were here last week, you heard Doug share with us four things we need to forget from our past in order to move forward most efficiently in the Christian life. This week I'm going to suggest four things we need to press through to grow in our walk with God. But first it's important to note that there are a number of ways the Bible talks about pressing on. Hebrews 6 encourages us to press on or be taken forward to maturity, to grow up. While Hosea 6 reminds us to press on to acknowledge God. 2 Corinthians 4 reminds us we're hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. While 2 Corinthians 8 and Luke 4 remind us that we have the opportunity to give out of our surplus, and the measure we give to others will be given back to us. The current passage in Philippians 3 exhorts us to press on, to take hold of what Jesus took hold for us toward our heavenly goal. This morning, I would like to suggest that in order to press on, to move forward, even without all the weights or baggage from our past that we were encouraged to leave behind last week, sometimes we have to press through something else first. There's a story that will set the stage for our time together this morning as we ponder lessons from letters. When I was in high school, I was in an advanced placement English class, one focused on the topic of death and dying. Naturally, we did a lot of reading and writing, but we also went on a few field trips. I'll never forget our trip to Forest Lawn. We toured the mortuary, the cemetery, the chapel, the offices, and even a gift shop. A gift shop. Not only did they have a gift shop, but... I was perplexed because of the rack of postcards. It seemed odd and disconcerting to me. After all, in my experience, people would send postcards from vacation to loved ones with messages like, wish you were here. (laughs) Just wait, it'll sink in. In addition to postcards, there are all kinds of letters in the world. In politics, there are endorsement letters. The most common form of letter in customer service is one of complaint. For perspective, undergraduate and graduate students, there's the prized letter of admission or acceptance. In newspapers or online, you can find advice letters, open letters, and letters to the editor. We can receive chain, spam, or phishing letters via email. Cover letters are sent with resumes or CVs, hopefully not soon followed, by a rejection letter. Form letters are used for convenience. Prayer letters are often used by missionaries. We send sympathy letters to express our condolences. We keep cherished love letters. On the flip side, there are the Dear John letters of rejection, typically ending a relationship. I've often wondered, though, are there the parallel Dear Jane letters? I don't know. 
But the list of letters goes on and on, including letters to Santa, laments to God, thank you letters, fan letters, and so on. Some letters are timeless, like those Dietrich Bonhoeffer wrote while he was in prison. There are even letters in the Old Testament. And in addition to 21 letters or epistles in the New Testament, the Gospel of John is commonly considered God's love letter to the world. We also know that letters have been written to express the full range of human emotions too, so it can be helpful to us to read letters carefully because there's always something new and deeper to learn about ourselves, about others, and about God. Several years ago, I was scheduled to have lunch with a friend named Connie. At the very last minute, she called to say that she had just been asked by her boss to have lunch with the staff from the office. She asked if I would mind. I said we could have lunch another time. A couple of days later, I received an email message from Connie stating, I got the worst friend of the day award, so I apologize for bailing out of our lunch. I had no idea that my boss had this planned. I sure felt horrible, though, calling you. I hope to catch up with you sometime this week. Maybe we can reschedule a lunch date. Okay. After pondering a few moments, I sent a response to Connie stating, I'm intrigued by your message. The award you mentioned must allow for people to nominate themselves. Were you also the sole individual voting on the award? Did you also present it to yourself? Was a presentation ceremony a formal event? Do you attend these events frequently? Connie replied, This is an important casual event that I attend only a few times a year, thankfully. Sometimes Bill, my better half, attends with me. Occasionally, he wins an award for some act of his own. You can freely nominate yourself unless a close relative desires the privilege. If they are present after the initial mistake, they are permitted to vote. If not, voting must be done by one's own self. The award consists of gathered waste from the neighbor's dog that somehow accumulates in our yard. The detestable matter is put into a decorated box. Upon the presentation of the award, the winner must do a ceremonial dance while shaking the box vigorously and twirling in circles. Most of the time, the participant falls down from dizziness and remains there until the intense moment of guilt subsides. True story. I have interesting friends. Of course, I'm quirky too. 2 Corinthians 1, 3 and 4 remind us that the extent to which we have received comfort from God, we are able to comfort others. Precisely because I was and am familiar with the language of guilt, I didn't quickly dismiss the apology of my friend. And since I read her message with care, I was able to press through any lingering hurt or offense to hear my friend Connie's heart. So our first lesson from letters is to press through the natural tendency to be hurt or offended by instead ministering grace and healing. Before I moved to this area, I was on staff at a church where I was waiting for a meeting to start. Karen, who was with a group of choir members, shared an experience from the prior week. As the story goes, Karen had parked in the main lot of the church, but because it was Wednesday evening and the lot was full with 
people who had parked there attending bell choir, sanctuary choir, and a number of adult Bible studies. She figured it wouldn't be a problem, so she parked in the space designated for the church bus. When Karen returned to her car following choir practice, she found a post-it note on the windshield. The note read, this is not a bus. There was some concern about who might have written such an angry note and put it on her car. I had time before my meeting, so I stopped in the office and made an official bus parking pass, taking a copy back to Karen. We both had a good laugh. A week later, I was leaving the office to go to a meeting. As I was getting into my car, I pulled a note off the windshield. Although the note focused on how a bird had literally used my car for target practice, it was the particular sense of humor and handwriting that I now recognized. Not only that, but it was the same handwriting on Karen's note. I made a comment to the post-it note bandit a couple of days later, and we laughed about what had become a ministry of making disciples through humor. Two weeks later, I had parked in the bus space in the church parking lot primarily to unload supplies for a dinner. But because I had moved from working with others to prepare and serve the dinner to teaching a Bible study, I'd forgotten that I'd parked in that space until I was leaving the church that evening. Naturally, there was a note on my windshield which read, You are parked in a space which requires an official bus parking pass. Please see yourself for a parking permit. Karen and Gladys waited for me to walk to my car and join me in the parking lot for a good laugh. It was a great reminder that we need to be gracious in our interaction with others, always assuming the best, and actively seek ways to encourage each other because life can be difficult. It also helps to give people permission to act in ways that don't really matter in the overall scheme of things. To extend the same grace to ourselves that we give to others. And to remember that it's good to laugh and have fun. Philippians 2, 3 and 4 remind us that we need to look out for the interest of other people, not just for our own. So the second lesson from letters is to press through the inclination to join in the accusations and instead encourage others on their journey of faith. There are also other things we can learn from letters. For example, we have all heard the very familiar love chapter from 1 Corinthians 13. Read it with me, will you? Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. Amen, yeah. Now we know that God is love and that he sent his only son Jesus to die on the cross and pay the penalty for our sins. So as we ponder this same passage, we can replace every reference to love with the name of Jesus. Wendy provided a variation of the same thing a couple of weeks ago. Jesus is patient. Jesus is kind. Jesus does not envy. Jesus does not boast. Jesus is not proud. 
Jesus does not dishonor others. Jesus is not self-seeking. Jesus is not easily angered. Jesus keeps no record of wrongs. Jesus does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. Jesus always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Jesus never fails. That's awesome, isn't it? It is an encouragement to see the picture of perfect love in Jesus. But in replacing references to love with the one who embodied love, I'm reminded that this isn't just some sort of abstract ideal. It's something I need to be inspiring to as I seek to be more like Jesus. So once more, I reluctantly begin to ask myself the degree to which I am becoming more like Jesus. Mary is patient. Mary is kind. Mary does not envy. Mary does not boast. Mary is not proud. Mary does not dishonor others. Mary is not self-seeking. Mary is not easily angered. Mary keeps no record of wrongs. Mary does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. Mary always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Mary never fails. You may have noticed that the punctuation changed when I was reflecting on the passage after I inserted my name. That may not happen with you. That was a joke. Um, Nothing personal. We know that when the Bible talks about love and Jesus, these are statements of fact. But when I reflect on this letter... It's an opportunity to ask myself challenging questions. We hear all the time that it's important to read the Bible, but holding ourselves to a strict schedule for reading and study may miss the point entirely. Ultimately, we get to know the Word of God to come to know the God of the Word. And sometimes we don't just read the Bible like this letter. The Bible also reads us. So our third lesson is to press through legalism and assumed familiarity to the wonder of knowing God and our aim of being more like Jesus. Years ago, I stopped to visit a young-at-heart 96-year-old friend affectionately named Aunt Mary. She wasn't my aunt, but she attended a Bible study at the church that I taught, and she told us all to call her Aunt Mary. She asked me to read some of her old love letters. She was nearly blind. One letter from Mel, her deceased husband at the time, had been mailed from the Philippines and was dated December 15th, 1945. The letter was written before they were even married. The letter read, We're still here awaiting a call to load on the boat. It is so tiresome to wait this way. All our processing done, our bags packed, just sitting around waiting to be called. Alerted so that we cannot go any place where there is not a public address system. We are fortunate in one respect. That is, we have a movie nearby, a PX, and a Red Cross. 
Yet it is tiresome, boring, and always in a state of wondering and silently praying for that ship. But someday soon, we shall hear that call. I was disappointed again yesterday. I had not been in the mood to write with this waiting. I know that you will forgive me now that you know I'm in the first stage of the homeward journey. I write today to especially wish you a very Merry Christmas and at last a new year that will bring friends together. At least this holiday season, we know that the war ended. The strain of anxiety and worry between loved ones has been lifted. For with God's help, we have survived. Merry Christmas, sweetheart, with a new year to dream sweet dreams together. Like Mel, we're all in a battle. But ours is often more spiritual in nature. And we're all waiting for something, aren't we? We too may be fortunate in some ways, but waiting can indeed be tiresome, boring, and disappointing. Even so, everything is easier if we're in touch with God and with other people. Now, we all know that letters are made of words. And in contemporary culture, we're inundated with words all the time, aren't we? Think about it. There's television, internet, radio, newspapers, magazines, books, billboards, bumper stickers, Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, and a whole host of things I've never heard of because I'm a little technophobic. But as we navigate through this huge global dictionary called life, it is increasingly difficult to really communicate. Definitions are not necessarily clear or life-giving, and we've all but lost the creative power of language and of the word. But there's good news in the midst of our chaos, crisis, and confusion of words because God, the creator of the universe, gave us a visual aid so we wouldn't mistake this essential message by sending Jesus, the living word. If we are followers of Jesus, we have been made new with the promise of abundant life and that the truth of God's word will make us free. The real value of a Christian church is not so much what happens in this place on Sunday mornings, as meaningful as that may be. The purpose of our gatherings is not just about having a good time or personal growth, although we do have an opportunity for both every week. Today and every week, we have an opportunity to walk away with new knowledge, a fresh encounter with God and others, and a new perspective on our lives. And attending church isn't just about receiving love from God. It's also equally about our response to the love of God. Several months ago, I read a study that concluded that in contemporary American culture, less than 4% of churches are known by the name on their sign, the name of the church. Less than 4%. If that is indeed true... The way Quest is known in the community isn't because of the name of the church, isn't because of our denominational affiliation, and isn't even because of the names of the pastors. The church is known because of its reputation in the community. And the reputation in the community comes from us, the people that are part of the church. 
So we need to live lives of love, doing whatever kingdom work God calls us to do, actively seeking ways to serve others. And we need to pay special attention to the things we're tempted to complain about related to our church. More than likely, there's a direct connection to the ways that God has gifted us to serve him and others and the very focus of our complaints. In 2 Corinthians 2, 2 through 3, Paul tells the Corinthian church, You yourselves are our letter, written on our hearts, known and read by everyone. You show that you are a letter from Christ, the result of our ministry, not written with ink, but with the spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. So our fourth and final lesson is to press through discouragement and take a step of faith. So you have one and two, press through the natural tendency to be hurt or offended by ministering grace and healing. Press through the inclination to join in the accusations and instead encourage each other on the journey of faith. Number three, press through legalism and assume familiarity to the wonder of knowing God and our aim of being more like Jesus. And number four, press through discouragement and take a step of faith. You know, in um, last week when I was approached about sharing with you this morning, I was reminded that in the Experiencing God study by Henry Blackaby and Claude King, Uh, One of their seven tenets of experiencing God is that you must make major adjustments in your life to join God in what he's doing. So I rearranged a few things and am blessed to be here with you today. We all have a unique and important role to play in our church and in the world to be a living letter of love and hope to other people. It really is your turn. This morning, if you're feeling spiritually malnourished, drink deeply from the living water, spending time with Jesus, and take in sustenance from the word of God, the Bible. If you're feeling alone or isolated, get involved in a small group with other travelers on the journey to be more like Jesus who can provide encouragement and accountability. Definitely show up at the small group fair next week. If you feel disconnected from God, spend time with your loving Heavenly Father in prayer, the language of communication with Him. You can even ask someone to pray with or for you. Although it is true that all spiritual transformation is God's work, it takes place in the context of a community, it requires our participation, and it finds its ultimate expression in service to others. We need to remember that God is for us, even if and when we may be against ourselves. But we often have greater expectations of ourselves than either God or other people have of us. I wonder what would happen if we all began to treat ourselves with the same love and care and respect that we treat other people. One thing is certain, we would be going in circles less frequently experiencing the resulting dizziness as we dance with matter that truly is detestable, the waste that is not our own. 
In the days of the early church, there was a custom in the Middle East where salt was mixed with animal waste and used in a fire because the salt made it burn hotter and longer. The reality is that the salt in us is often mixed with some pretty foul stuff. But in the end, it is the mixing of the stuff of our lives with the salt that can draw people a little closer to the fire of God's love. As the worship team makes their way to the platform, we're left with several questions. How's your inner world? The interior landscape of your soul. Are you spending time with Jesus, the living word? Are you living in the abundant life that Jesus promised? Enjoying relationships with other people around you? Are you sending life-giving words? Or do you nominate yourself for loser awards, casting the soul and deciding vote? Is there some sort of punishment you inflict upon yourself when you win your awards? Are you suffering from self-imposed guilt? How is God calling you to persevere, to press through and waiting? Have you been praying for something a long time and are discouraged? Has God called you to work toward an end that is not yet in sight? If you've been praying a long time, pray on. If you've endured a long time, carry on. And if you've been working a long time, press on. Know that the God of the universe loves you dearly, cares for you completely, and holds you in the palm of his hand. Though the enemy will try to convince you that God doesn't care, the things that call for our persistent waiting are simply opportunities to draw closer to God and to others, deepening our relationships because we've reached the end of ourselves. The fingerprints of God are all over your life. And like sending postcards when traveling, we have the opportunity to serve as living letters of love and hope to a waiting world. And with respect to the postcards, like following the tour guide on a trip, stick close to God, letting him lead the way on this journey through this foreign land to our heavenly home. Pay attention to your translators, your pastors. Don't avoid the difficult questions as you journey together with other people. Remember that how carefully you prepare for and participate on this journey will significantly impact how much you enjoy the trip. Augustine reminds us that there is a God-shaped space, a vacuum inside the heart of every man and woman that cannot be filled by any created thing, but only by God the Father made known through Jesus Christ. If there's something missing in your life, you may be trying to fill that God-shaped space with all the wrong things. The secret hidden in plain sight is that we can choose today to pursue a lifestyle focusing on whatever our individual goals may be, or we can choose life itself by pursuing a relationship with God and centering all of our life on him. He is that missing piece that you've been looking for, and he's waiting to spend time with you. You have the freedom to choose your response, but don't be surprised if when you stop to listen carefully, you don't hear him calling your name. It's your turn. 
thank you for listening to this week's sermon audio. If you're loving Quest Podcast, let us know on Facebook or Twitter by using the hashtag GoToQuest. For more information on Quest, who we are, and what God is doing here, or if you would like to help support Quest financially, please visit us at GoToQuest.org. That's G-O-T-O-Quest.org. Thanks for listening.